Hello and welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. The following audio is a sermon from Pastor Craig Kidder given on March 14, 2021. Pastor Craig pulls wisdom from Proverbs on the subject of parenting and specifically on what it means for God to be our Father. For more information, check out compasscfc.com. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Yep. I'm Craig. Hi. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, This morning, I'm so glad you're with us this morning. We're continuing our series through the book of Proverbs. And so thanks for hanging in there with us, because this one is the one where it all comes together, all right? So I'm so excited for this morning. I came happy. I'm way more happy. That was so beautiful. Like, I just love the songs we sang, and they just there's so many threads that we're going to pick up in the sermon today. So thank you, worship team. That was beautiful and super helpful. Thank you. Uh, all right. I went to seminary for this, and this is some of the stuff you get, okay? Here we go. God is our Father. God is not our Father. God is not not our Father. All right, we ready to go home? That's, that's it? That's all we need today? Let me try again. God is our Father. God is not our Father. God is not not our Father. Let's try to unpack that a little bit. The Bible, the biblical authors, use a ton of metaphors to try to help us understand our relationship to God. Tons of metaphors. Throughout the pages of Scripture, there's all these these images that they're grabbing at to help us understand what it's like to know and be known by God. Shepherd and sheep, right? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Husband and wife. That's another popular one. Or, or uh, gardener and vineyard. We're seen as grapes. Or, or, or here's another one. Gardener and fig tree, right? There's lots of them. Uh, guy on a watchtower and city, right? There's just tons of just images and metaphors that the Bible uses to describe what it means to know God and to be known by God. But easily, easily the Bible's favorite metaphor when it comes to describing our relationship with God is parent and child. Easily. The whole story of Scripture is a metaphor of a loving parent and a wayward child. Okay? Proverbs. The whole book of Proverbs is a metaphor about a dad and a mom, but mostly a dad sitting down with their teenage son and being like, hey, I just, here's just some things you got to know. And if you think about Israel's history... It's perfect that they're a teenager at this point. So as the, as the story opens, this father-son metaphor, Israel, God calls them my firstborn, my son. And when they first get rescued from Egypt, when they're headed out of, the, of, of slavery, God uses a metaphor to kind of show that they're still in their infancy stages, okay? He, there's a pillar of cloud 
at night, and a, a pillar of fire at night, and a pillar of cloud by day to guide them. Why? Because they're kind of like children, right? It's like, stay near the heat, okay? Oh, it's cold in the desert at night. Hey, stay near the heat. Hey, it's hot in the desert during the day. Stay near the shade. He's treating them like children because they are. It's appropriate to their age level. They're just, this, this nation is being born. At the story, though, where we drop in in Proverbs, though, they're a rebellious teenager. They got a philosophy class in high school. They smirk, they've smoked their first joint, and they don't need mom and dad. That's, and and, and they, they, they've been living this wild life, and God sits them down just like a parent and says, Hey, I love you, and I want to parent you through this season. And, and that, that metaphor is hard for a lot of us, to, to experience God as a father. Why? Because God is our father, but God is not our father. My father's name is Jim. God is not Jim. Okay? So how, when I think of the images of father, that's shaped so much of just how Jim was with me. And he was a great dad, but he was a human being. Right? So it's hard for me to, it's hard for us to come to grips with this metaphor because God is our father. God is not our father. But... God is not, not our Father. Even through broken human beings trying to relate to us, God can step into those boxes and use them. So God can't be put in a box. So when the Bible uses the metaphor of God as a parent, if we try to fit God into that box and explain everything he is and does just through that metaphor, he doesn't fit. But... God is willing to climb into the box for people who need him in the box. It's a redemptive move. And so for us, for those of us who are like, I had a great relationship with my dad. I didn't know my dad. And then also, there's another group here. Those of us who are like, stop talking about dad issues. This is just like feeling stuff. For all of us, However we are with our relationship with our parents, we're invited as followers of God to emulate God's fatherness. And it's tough. It's tough to just untangle all that. It's also tough. I mean, like everybody feels this, right? There's this, we were watching TV last week and this commercial came on. And for the folks watching at home, I had to, we're not sponsored by the commercial. Last time I played like a Pepsi commercial, someone's like, so Pepsi is sponsoring the church? No, we didn't get any money for this, all right? But this, everybody is feeling this whole tension of relationship between parents and kids. Here, watch this. We're at the movies and we need to silence our phone. Who knows where that button is? I don't have silence. Everyone does, right up here. It happens to all of us. We buy a new home and we turn into our parents. What I do is help new homeowners overcome this. Was that an adjustable spanner? Good choice, Steve. Okay, don't forget, you're not assisting him. You hired him. You have nowhere to sit. You have too many. Who else reads books about submarines? My dad? Yeah. Oh, those are... Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. Look at that. That, that's a, that commercial deeply resonates with me because in my house, there's disagreements about pillows. Um, but the, the reason that commercial also resonates is because it taps into a fear that we have. We, lo- we may love our parents. Our parents may be great folks. But we don't want to be our parents. 
our relationships between children and parents is complicated. We want to find our own way. We want to carve out our own path. I remember first time it happened to me. My dad has this weird way of yawning. He like, <laughs> right, like and like I'm like dad, and then I'm 17 years old, and <laughs> I'm like oh no, <laughs> oh my goodness, it happened. I became my dad. It had nothing to do with my dad. I love my dad. He's a great guy. But we become like our parents, and it taps into this fear. And so if we're going to emulate God as a father, we've got to unpack how God is different from our fathers, from our parents. But also we need to see that he can even use the way we were parented in redemptive ways. Here's like the main thrust of where we're going today, okay? And we're going to be jumping around Proverbs. We're actually we're going to be jumping around the whole Hebrew scriptures and then ending in the New Testament. Because here's what, here's what you have to see. A lot of times as parents, a lot of times as parents, I wonder if we're, if, are we really mad that our kids are breaking the laws of God's kingdom? Or are we upset that our children are breaking the laws of our kingdom. So much of what has been done in the name of Christian parenting isn't really about upholding the kingdom of God. It is really about upholding my own kingdom with Christian language attached to it. Here are the laws of my kingdom. When I'm done with work at the end of the night, all the conflicts are, are gone. They're done, all right? Like, I, I had a long day. We don't do conflict at night, okay? So you, you should have worked everything out by dinner time. In the laws of my kingdom, when it's bedtime, when I put you down to bed, you don't sneak out, grab toys, and throw them at your brother, all right? Just the laws of Craig's kingdom. And when you break the laws of Craig's kingdom, oh, watch out. But what if Christian parenting is not just about me keeping having kids conform to the laws of my kingdom, but what if it's about something different? What if it's about helping kids live in the big sky country of the kingdom of God? If we're going to do that, we have to recognize that there is, there is a difference between the way that we naturally are as parents and the way God is as a parent. No matter who you are as a parent, your parenting comes out, it flows out of your character. And here's the thing, our character is different from God's character, fundamentally, fundamentally. And we're going to unpack that this morning, and it's all, it's all rooted in this word hesed. Can everybody say that with me? Hesed. Oh, that was my fault. I said, everybody say hesed. All right. Woo! All right. Chesed. This is how God is fundamentally different as a parent than you and I. My parenting flows out of who I am and and life happens quick. Right? So like I can have the best intentions. I can be really thoughtful. I can be intentional. I can have a season where I'm like spending a lot of time in prayer, where I'm just totally present to my kids. Then I get rear-ended. Then mom gets laid off. Then we get a phone call about someone being sick. 
life just comes at us so fast. And oftentimes we're just parenting out of just that whirlwind. I like to say it's whitewater rafting without a canoe. I don't know, do people whitewater rafting canoe? I don't know, a raft? Raft. We'll say raft. Whitewater rafting without the raft. It's just go, go, go. But God's parenting toward us is not rooted in that at all. It's rooted in his hesed. Remember that we said Proverbs, Proverbs is a parable about a father sitting down with his kids. Okay? Listen to how this is, this is Proverbs 1, or 3, verses 1 through 3. Here's what that father says to his young teenage son. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let hesed, that right there, verse 3, let hesed and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Very closely related to the way God parents us is his hesed. His parenting flows out of his hesed. There's a story in the Hebrew Bible where as Israel is being formed, so they're not yet a teenager, they're still in their infancy, and they're enslaved in Egypt. And it says this, uh, during that long period, the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help was because of the slavery. It went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered. What did he remember? His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. God looked out on the Israelites and the Hebrew literally says, and God knew. So we're seeing in the formation, in, in this child's story, as they cry out to God, like, God, help us. His parental love steps in based on his hesed. He remembers his covenant, his promise to give hesed. What is hesed? Hesed is, is, is not, look, it's not because he's nice. It's not that God is not, God is super nice, okay? Like, please, God is kind. It, it is kindness, but it's not just kindness. Hesed is a joining of yourself to someone for their good. It's loyalty. I sound like a broken record, but there's no really good word in English that captures this idea. God, God has said this, I will connect myself to Israel for their good. I am going to be committed to and work for her good no matter what it costs. That's what God's parenting is based out of. That is so different from our parenting. Yes, we love our kids. We would die for our kids. And we're people. Like, I, you know, I, I became a lot more gracious toward my parents when I started having kids. Like, my parents don't know me. They don't understand. I'm like, oh, maybe they did a lot. And I just was totally oblivious because all I cared about as, as a 14-year-old was, was there orange juice in the fridge? I'm like, oh, they were doing a lot more that I was just completely unaware of. But even in that, even our parenting, though, still comes from a place of weakness. God is not like us. And that is very good news. Exodus 34, when he introduces himself, he says this, Yahweh, Yahweh, full of this, full of hesed. Full of this commitment to his people. 
Here's what you have to understand. The Bible is big. The Bible is confusing. There's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. Anybody who tells you there's not hasn't read it. Like, we were talking last night. Like, there's a, a prophet who he's bald, and kids make fun of him, and he prays that bears come out and eat them, and they do. And you're like, what? That's weird. I don't know what to do. What? And you have that feeling, right? Whoa. Oh, this is odd. All right? But one thing the Bible is clear crystal, crystal clear on is that the creator of the universe made a decision, made a decision to join himself to people, to say, I'm going to be loyal, I'm going to work for your good, no matter what that costs me. And so as we read the Bible, you have to keep this in mind. The Bible wasn't just written to inform us about other people's spirituality. It wasn't just written to say, hey, like here's how some people long ago happened upon God, happened to know him. This is written for our instruction. So as we seek to know God, seek to put ourselves under his word, and we read stories about how God relates to Israel, this is so that God is not just telling us about his love, he's showing us how he loves. And he is loving this wayward child. The story of Israel is all about this kid who God's saying, I'm devoted to you. And that, yeah, but what about that over there? And they keep wandering. And, and in, our, in the laws of our kingdom, we would eventually throw up our hands and give up. But in the laws of his kingdom, it's a totally different story. He gives hesed. And that totally informs this idea of discipline. Discipline. You can't talk about parenting without having a conversation about discipline. And God, as a God who is parenting, it flows out of his hesed. He, he, this is how he disciplines. He prunes. He does not punish. At the story we're at in Israel's teenage angst, their coming of age, okay, they've discovered nirvana. They don't like their parents' music. They're on their own, right? They're a teenager in the book of Proverbs. We see like that God has punished them. He sent them into exile. He's like, hey, your sin is just really bad. We're, we're sent, you need to live some of the consequences of this. That, and it's done again from his hesed. But we see here that the way God punishes is not like how we punish. It doesn't flow out of his anger. Listen to Proverbs 19. This is, he's parenting for us. Discipline your child, for there is hope. But on his destruction, do not set your desire. God is parenting Israel as he's giving us parenting instructions. So when we think about how we discipline, it's so easy for us to try to punish rather than letting our discipline flow out of, I'm committed to my child's good. And whoo, are they making me mad. But... I am still, even in this discipline, going to work for their good. All right. That is way easier said than done. Way easier said than done. It, it, is, it is one of those things that we can spend a lifetime, a lifetime, just trying to work on this. What does it mean to 
to really love our kids and be committed to their good and not try to just jump in and overpower and also not take the back seat and be like, I don't, I don't know what to do. We'll just let them figure it out. Life is hard. And, that, and from what I, conversations I've had throughout the week with people from last week's sermon, it doesn't get easier when they become adults. Watching your adult kids make decisions that are destructive to them and to others and not knowing how to step in. I, I'm not there yet. I got a few years, but I am getting ready based on just conversations from last week. But our starting place, our starting place has to be, if we're going to emulate God, if he's saying, I'm a father and you need to parent like me. I'm, I'm giving this as for your example, for instruction. If our starting place is that, we have to see that we have to set a distinction between the laws of my kingdom and the laws of his kingdom. Because in the laws of my kingdom, like I, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna really fight this. Like when my kids are grown up, I'm gonna be super cool. Like, yeah, I don't care if you make a lot of money. I like you be happy, right? But secretly I'm gonna be like, yo, don't take that job. Like, you know, you're not going to college? No, 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 you're going to college. Like, you know what happens to people who don't go to college? Like, we played the game of life together. Like, you need to go to college. Like, I know that that's just going to be my proclivity. And the first step, if we're going to be people who prune, not punish, we have to regularly make a distinction between the laws of my kingdom and the laws of God's kingdom. Regularly. And that's hard. Because so often there is a great overlap. It's, it, it's not just like, oh, hey, like, yeah, I, I want my kid not to be, you know, I want my kid to go to college. It's also like, yeah, I want my kid not to, like, be really destructive, do drugs, move in with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Like, I, I would really, like, not, I'd like for that not to happen. There's over, it's tricky. It takes time sitting with God, meditating on his hesed, watching that hesed in action with Israel, Watching that hesed in action when Israel is faithless and he remains faithful, it's really hard. The actor Viggo Mortensen, I think, gives us a really good example of what hesed can look like. So Viggo Mortensen, for those of you who don't know, he's Aragorn from uh, Lord of the Rings. He has a new movie coming out, and it's about parents with dementia. And I've not seen it. I was just listening to an interview where he was talking about it. And he talked about both his stepfather and his father suffered from dementia. And dementia is a terrible disease. It's crazy difficult to watch someone suffer through dementia. And Viggo Mortensen, I think, in a common grace way, I don't know his spiritual journey, I don't know where he's at with Jesus, but in a common grace way, I think he embodies Hesed when he talked about how he related to his stepfather. He said it hit him one day as he was sitting with his stepfather, oh, my stepdad has dementia, but he's not confused. I'm confused. Okay. So his, his, his stepfather spoke, just when, he, when dementia really struck, he started speaking Danish. He had grown up in Denmark, hadn't been there since he was like 18, and now just reverted back to speaking Danish. And so what it looked like for Vigo to, to show loyalty, to connect himself to his stepfather, was he's like, hey, I want to correct him. And be like, no, 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 like there's no snowstorm. Like Larry died 20 years ago. But he realized, like, hey, I'm going to enter into his world and speak to him at his level. I'm going to get in the box with him. And so he'd have crazy conversations. His, his stepfather confessed to him, 
ah, the pigs, when the pigs got out, it really was my fault. And Vigo's like, what? And so he calls up his sister and he's like, hey, he's talking about how the pigs got out. What in the world is he talking about? He said, oh, when he was a young kid, everybody knew, like, he opened the gate, let all the pigs out, and the pigs got away, and we lost a ton of money that year on the farm. And uh, he always denied it. He, he, he said it was never his fault. So he goes, okay, thanks. And he hangs up and he goes, hey, it's okay. It's okay the pigs got out. We still had food that year. I forgive you. And he said he just watched a weight lift up his stepfather. Now, does that mean there's no truth? No, 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 no. But in that moment, the wisdom of Hesed says, hey, I can fight with you, but you're, 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 you still have dementia. Or I can enter the world you're in and love you in your world. That's easy with dementia patients. You can just say, okay, I'll just, I'll just play along. With our kids, whew. It's a totally different story. What does it look like to enter into our kids' worlds when they're demanding things that we know will hurt them? Here's the challenging thing about parenting kids is that we know, we know from experience, life is painful. They do not yet know that. And so what does it look like to love someone who doesn't yet know what they want, what they demand is painful. I don't fully, I, I don't experientially know yet. I mean, like for me, my, my, in my world right now, the give me what I want because life is painful is like dessert till 9, 9 p.m. Right, like there's, there, there's very little consequences, all right? I know that the stakes will keep getting higher and higher, but what does it look like when the stakes get high to really show hesed? To our kids. One of the principles that has to guide us is another story that Vigo shared. He talked about his stepfather. One of the things that happened to him as he got confused was he would just randomly go out and like shovel snow from like the house he was in uh, and he would just wander about. And one night he wandered into another patient with dementia's bed. And so he's, he's in this bed with this other patient and the nurses come to get him. And they, they stick their hands out to grab and it scares him. It was too fast. And so his stepfather moves really fast and breaks the nurse's arms. 23-year-old girl breaks, breaks her arm. And Vigo feels really bad. A couple, a couple weeks later, she's back at work. She's got a cast. And he's like not sure how to talk to her. He feels really awkward. And he's like, hey, hey, are you okay? I'm really sorry that that happened. And she goes, no, no, no. That was my fault. I snuck up on him too fast. That's Hesed. Saying, I'm willing to wrong myself because I understand your world. I'm willing to take the hurt on me because I know what you need. That is a loyalty that connects itself for the good of the other. That's Hesed. The story... The story of Israel as a teenager, we know in the book of Proverbs, right? It starts with, hey, my son, listen to my instruction. It ends with him giving him directions about getting married, right? Proverbs 31, all right? So it starts with a teenager, and it's like, hey, you're about to head out of the house. Marry wisdom. That's what Proverbs 31 is about. It's not about, it's wisdom personified. It's not, a, it's, it's not saying, hey, be this type of lady. So Proverbs 31 ministries, like, 
God bless you, but it's, there's more to it than just saying, be this, okay? We're okay. I thought that that would be controversial. All right. So the story of Israel growing into a teenager, what happens with the teenager? Does the teenager listen? Do they come to their senses? No. They do not. It gets worse. But even, even the exile, even the exile is not punishment. It's pruning. Listen to this. This may sound obscure, but we'll connect it. You'll be okay. Habakkuk 1.6. Habakkuk 1.6 says this, okay? It says this about the exile. It says, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that ruthless and terrible people who sweep across the whole earth to seize your dwellings, okay? God is punishing to send, he's promising, hey, your, your, your wicked teenage ways are going to be punished and the Chaldeans are going to come punish you. And you know from biblical history, there is no nation called the Chaldeans at this time. It's the Babylonians. Well, what is happening? Why is Habakkuk saying that he's going to raise up the Chaldeans? Abraham is from Ur of the Chaldeans. Here's what Habakkuk is saying. We're starting over. I'm sending you back from where you came. The exile is a means of pruning in that it's a cosmic do-over. The problem is not just geography. The problem is spiritual. God's saying, hey, I called you to be my people. And they're like, woohoo, we're going to worship other gods. We're going to sacrifice our kids. We're never going to practice Sabbath. Woohoo! And God's like, hey, let's start over. I'm sending you back. And we're just going to start over. We're getting a whole do-over. And listen to this. This is Isaiah 54. This is uh, starting in verse 7. For a brief moment, I abandoned you. That's exile. For a brief moment, I kicked you out of the land. With a deep compassion, I will bring you back. Pruning, not punishment. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with chesed, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. If you are here this morning and you are a Christian, God's not mad at you. Let me say that again. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, God's not mad at you. Does that mean everything goes okay and life is great all the time? No. This is a broken world. But God's not mad. That's good news. He's not a father like me. I get mad. I have no idea why anyone thought it was a good idea to leave a bike behind where the car backs out. That's a terrible idea. Like we've seen this movie before. All right? I'm going to break your bike and then probably break the car and then I'll probably break the garage. This is awful. Ah! God's not like that. God's not our father. But he's not not our father. Family 
is the place where we should experience what it means to learn unconditional love. Where it's like, I really would like to just like kind of cut this kid off and just let them experience the consequences of all their stupid decisions. Huh. Do you know what my parents would have done at this point? My parents would have slapped me in the face. You know, like all the, right? Par- but parenting, parenting that flows from said says, maybe we need to be wronged here. And that's not enabling. All right? God still gives instruction. Proverbs is 31 chapters of instruction. All right? Parenting that flows from said is not saying like, oh, okay, I love you. Yeah, do whatever you want. Be destructive. Hate God. That's cool. No, no, no. God still gives instruction again and again and again. And it flows from his hesed. The story of God with his teenage kid continues deep into the New Testament. Here's where it stops. Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. Excuse me, chapter 15. You know the story. It's the story of a man with two sons. All right, and the man in the story is Yahweh, and his two sons are the Gentiles and Jews. Okay, here's here's what happens: one son goes away, spends his money on crazy stuff, comes back. All right, and here's what the dad says when he comes back, verse twenty-three: "Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found." They began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother's come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when your son, who wasted your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this son of yours was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. That's where the story of God with his teenage son ends. But you know it doesn't end there. The metaphor keeps going. Think of how does the story really end. The father turns around to head inside and the son is fuming. And he just looks around for whatever he can find, and he grabs a rock. And he just comes, and he just starts hitting his dad, and he beats him. And he knocks his dad down, and he hits him in a rage of just violence and anger. He hits his dad till his dad stops moving. And he stands over his dad's lifeless body. And all he feels is rage. That's how the story of the prodigal son ends. Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. The religious leaders hated Jesus' hesed. They hated that he had committed himself to the good of others who they thought didn't 
deserve it. And their hatred led to a cross. And that cross is what sets us free. God was so devoted to our good that He did something that cost Him dearly. He gave Himself. What more can He give? This parenting metaphor is flipped upside down. When God comes, when God enters the story, ironically, He does not enter the story as a father. He enters the story as a son. And He shows us what a good son looks like. And we killed Him. But that can't stop him. Jesus is unstoppable. Look, no no matter what we're sitting in, no matter what's coming, like God can redeem even his own death. Like like they thought, okay, we, we dealt with this, it's done. But that death became the means through which we experience rescue and we experience hesed, that he's so committed to us He's willing to give everything so we can be free. Now, as a people, when he teaches us to pray, our Father who is in heaven, we know he's telling us the truth because he gave us everything to welcome us back. Hesed, you're like, well, where's hesed in the New Testament? We, we use the word grace. Grace is just what it flows out of who God is. God isn't who he is based on his circumstances. He's who he is. It's based on just his character and his nature, and he's full of grace. So much grace that he's saying, I am for you. I'm not mad at you. Well, how do we know? We look at the cross. There's nothing left for him to give. He's given us himself. Some of us in this room, we call ourselves Christians, but we've never really experienced that. We think we're still that older brother. We're like, I just, I got to keep slaving. I got to keep doing it. And maybe God will give me what I want. God says, hey, me, I'm giving you me. And as beautiful as it is that a nurse was willing to have her arm broken because she understood who she was serving, God understood us and said, I know what it takes to win back this wayward teenager. I'm going to enter her world and die for her. That's the gospel. That's why we're here, period. Like, what's this church about? That. And as long as I'm here, we're going to keep being about that. And if you, you may have to pray, pry my fingers off of that, but that's, that's the good news. That, that, that message is worth living and dying for. Jesus, I pray that we would see the good news of what you've done for us. That it isn't about performance, that your loving kindness comes to us by grace and grace alone. 
God, I pray that that message would be just what we own and that we would just cling to the cross and the cross only, that no matter where we are, no matter what's happening around us, no matter what changes in our world, we would find our identity in a God who died for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This sermon is part of the ministry of Compass Evangelical Free Church in Columbia, Missouri. We seek to be a church where Christ's love is at work transforming lives through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. For more information, check out compassefc.com.